Welcome to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief, a monthly recap of the macroeconomic and market environment. Well, greetings and welcome to the Investment Strategy Brief podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. In this episode, um, here we are, February 2024, I want to get into a discussion about the AI surge, right? There's sort of a boom happening uh, related to AI. And the, the question is really, is it temporary or will it endure? So that's the topic uh, for this episode. And, you know, as I think we've discussed and we certainly discussed in the last episode, our outlook for 2024 was all about embracing change. So there's all kinds of things going on. Um, one of those being kind of the emergence of AI. But just to take a step, a quick step back, and we're going to get into the topic of AI and some other things, but let's just um, uh, sort of check in on our forecasts for 2024. We had a, a, a target uh, for the S&P 500 at the end of the year of 5,000. I'll come back to that. Have uh, a view that interest rates are going to roughly be in the three and three quarter percent to four and a quarter percent range for the 10 year treasury. And that things like uh, spreads on corporates, both investment grade and high yield, would be well behaved. The thing I wanted to point out is that the yields the, the, uh, and interest rates have kind of stayed in that range. They've gone once in a while a little bit above four and a quarter. Um, and it really relates to the Fed, which we'll get to. But the other thing to note is that the S&P 500 has already reached that target of 5,000, right? We're in February. And so bottom line is, I think, uh, the view is that that's really optimism fueled by this uh, emergence of AI. And so that that was one of uh, a number of changes that we, we identified in our Outlook report. Uh, to go to some others, we've talked about geopolitical tensions. We've talked about the elections, basically 40% of the world's population going to the polls this year. We've talked about uh, higher debt, higher interest rates, fiscal transition, and then changes that have happened in the wake of the pandemic, uh, things like investment in infrastructure and uh, companies and countries in some ways kind of resetting supply chains. But AI for sure is one of the big changes. And uh, so again, we're going to get into that in this episode. Now, now AI is something that is sort of woven into our theme work. So we published this report from Vision to Value, our long-term investment themes, we talk about productive competition, the new consumer, shifting demographics, and securing strategic resources in addition to one called the fourth industrial revolution. And I'd say when we originally conceptualized these ideas, AI sat mostly in that last one, fourth industrial revolution, recognizing that technological innovation is breaking down boundaries between the physical, digital, and biological worlds. And of course, AI's role in that's key. But I would say that the artificial intelligence um, topic and sort of capability is really permeating all the other themes. It's making companies more productive. It's creating ways for consumption to get done differently. Uh, it, maybe it relates to how different generations uh, will uh, embrace it or not in terms of shifting demographics and then the role of AI in securing strategic resources, things like energy, but then food and water as well. So uh, recall that we, uh, we published about AI in our Outlook report. Um, and, you know, a couple of sort of uh, data points that I sort of pulled out uh, for this episode. One uh, is the idea of data creation. So AI is driven by data. And basically, you've got two and a half billion gigabytes of data 
being created each day. That's the equivalent to more than 19,128 gigabyte iPhones in terms of storage every single day. And so data, there's just an explosion of data that's available that'll make the AI smarter and smarter and smarter. Another one, which I think we might have talked about last time was um, a McKinsey study that uh, indicates uh, an estimate that one third of the hours worked today could be automated uh, by 2030 by AI and, and sort of robotics and things like that. And then this one's super intense, quantum computing. There's sort of quantum computers, not fully in production, but that do exist. Um, it takes 200 seconds for a quantum computer to solve a problem that the world's fastest uh, kind of non-quantum computer uh, would it, uh, for that non-quantum computer, it would take 10,000 years to do the calculations. So think of that 10,000 years down in 200 seconds. Uh, and again, that's just sort of a signal that we're going to see innovation in terms of the speed of computing, which again is an important element uh, when it comes to uh, artificial intelligence. Now back to the idea that the markets have been moving uh, based upon uh, enthusiasm about AI. So, um, so I mentioned we got to that 5,000 level on the S&P 500. And when we dig into the S&P, the top uh, 10 companies basically continue to uh, outperform. And of course, it's the big tech-oriented companies, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, Google, Meta, and Tesla, for example, and a couple others. And, you know, just think of it as so sometimes the, those seven are called the Magnificent Seven, that uh, they're, they're, they're running a lot uh, sort of faster uh, in terms of uh, returns going higher. And in fact, the PE ratio on those top 10 stocks in the S&P are now above 30. So 30 uh, is the price earnings ratio for the top 10. The remaining stocks, uh, it's basically at 18. And people might ask, well, why is that? Well, it comes down to uh, both past and future growth. Um, and so, for example, that Magnificent Seven, basically for 2024, the estimate is that th those companies are going to grow their earnings 22%. Uh, and that's compared to the remaining uh, stocks, the estimate is 8%. So not quite, but almost three times as much from the Magnificent Seven. And while the disparity is um, a little more muted, essentially the same thing is expected for 2025. So these companies are growing faster. And one of the things you can do, for example, is to look through the lens of adjusting the PE ratio for growth. It's called the PEG ratio. So you basically take the PE, divide it by growth, and actually, the Magnificent Seven has a peg ratio based on those 2024 earnings of 1.34 versus the rest of the stocks at 2.17. So by that metric, uh, the Magnificent Seven stocks are still, are still uh, cheap relative to the rest of the market. And that just sort of reinforces um, kind of the investment opportunity, speaking generally, of course, uh, uh, as it relates to this emergence of AI, for example. Now, that translates to, you know, productivity and improvement on the economy. So let's turn to the economy for a second. Recall that our forecast overall for 2024 is that the GDP is going to slow down to 0 to 1%. Inflation will eventually cool down to close to the Fed's 2% target. And we sort of indicated our view that the Fed will cut rates two to three times, but not do so until late in the year, call it fourth quarter. Now, the market participants more generally have been more optimistic about the Fed. And, uh, and I think, you know, if we were looking, let's say, back about a month ago, 
the view was that the I think the cuts were expected to start in March, and uh, that there were going to be six, I think six or seven for the whole year. Well, you know the the, the bottom line here is um, we've had a couple firmer than expected uh, inflation reports, CPI and PPI. And, and that sort of spooked the market and has kind of uh, translated uh, the view to be that uh, the Fed is going to now uh, cut rates uh, maybe more like June and maybe all in four quarter point cuts this year. That's what the market's uh, forecasting. Again, we, we see that still as a little bit too optimistic. Now, as it relates to the Fed, we've um, seen a couple meetings where they've are sending some dovish signals. So as we've talked about before, December, they kind of put out a forecast, their SEP, Summary of Economic Projections, the SEP, where they'd say, hey, we're going to cut rates in 2024. They sort of acknowledge that they're going to shift their debate, not so much to hiking rates necessarily, but to also include this discussion about cutting rates. And, and yet when they met at the end of January, um, they basically reiterated that, hey, we've got to see more consistent cooler inflation before we're going to cut and and boy them saying that coupled then by followed by a couple firmer than expected inflation reports has everybody realizing oh boy there is probably going to take a while for the fed to cut rates all that translates to a view anyway that um speaking more from a consensus perspective that the economy has been strong and and its strength will continue so recall our view for 2024 is from zero to one percent. The consensus view is a little better than that, one point six percent, and that that's an interesting discussion and debate. It, and it could be about AI, right? It, will AI uh, sort of create opportunity and productivity to uh, keep the the economy just cranking? Now, as it relates to markets, just turning to that for a quick second, we did, as I mentioned, see interest rates move a little bit. Uh, around this topic, right? The Fed's going to take a little bit longer. And specifically the 10-year treasury, which ended the year at about 3.9%, as of, call it mid-February, is up to about 4.2%. So it's reacting to that sense that the that the Fed's going to take a little bit longer. You know, bond market yields, different categories followed suit. Um, and overall, then year-to-date, the bond market, because of that slight increase in interest rates, is down a little bit. It's down 1.7%. Um, and that's as of uh, February 15th, uh, year to date. Um, now, when we look at the broader indices in the equity market, um, I always, with this kind of pattern, start with that New York Stock Exchange FANG Plus Index. Basically, it has some of those magnificent seven stocks in it. It's up 13.5% year to date through mid-February. The broader uh, cap-weighted market is up 56 and the equal-weighted return for the S&P, which sort of dampens the uh, influence of those bigger companies is up just 1.9%. So the same pattern we saw in 2023 so far has continued in 2024. In fact, um, it, there's a little bit more optimism embedded in the market. When we look at things like new highs, basically in 2022, there was one new high. In 2023, there were, there were none, right? We were waiting for the market to recover from the 2022 bear market. And, and yet in 2021, there were 70. And so uh, anyway, so far in 2024, we actually have met new highs and we've had 11 uh, new highs kind of marked through the year uh, so far in uh, 2024. Now, looking forward, recall, and I mentioned, we, we are mindful of this idea of fiscal transition. So the debt continues to grow. U.S. federal debt has gotten to $25 trillion dollars. 
um, or I'm sorry, has grown $25 trillion since the financial crisis. And when we add up, you know, household debt, corporate debt, the total growth since the financial crisis, $39 trillion. So we've talked about the fact that that since the financial crisis, rates had been lower, but now we're back to kind of pre-financial crisis level. So higher rates for longer is what the market's expecting. And as I've said before, that means we're going to see some challenges across the segments of the economy, the consumer, businesses, and government. Um, and, and again, the open discussion and focus is going to be when it comes to innovation, when it comes to things like artificial intelligence, are, is that going to help offset kind of the challenges that we're seeing in terms of the economy uh, to be more productive, increase earnings, increase profits, and have sort of s stronger footing from which to pay, for example, for the higher cost of debt. So that's the kind of thing we're going to keep an eye on. In any event, we're monitoring all kinds of data. Of course, we're going to be keep, keeping an eye on the Fed, Fed minutes. We're going to keep an eye on inflation, the consumer like retail sales. And, you know, we're seeing a little bit of softening on things like retail sales. So we got to keep an eye on that. But then there's the bigger uh, potential drivers of volatility. Uh, so the macro environment more broadly, the geopolitical tensions. We've got Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Hamas, tensions in the Red Sea, tensions in the, in the South China Sea. I mentioned the elections, and then I've mentioned fiscal transition. So there's just a lot in focus. And recall in our outlook that we had sort of talked about three scenarios, our base case, which is that mutedly positive view, some probability of a worse than expected outcome that could mean a recession. But then right now we're experiencing probably a signal of what I'd call the bull case, which is, hey, things are going to be better than we first thought. And so it's really early in the year. We'll see how things play out. I'll always close with an invitation to go to stiefelinsights.com. Check out uh, the work there. You'll find this podcast and a bunch of other stuff. So listen, thanks so much for listening, uh, and uh, we'll catch you in March. Thanks for listening to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each month's podcast in your feed.